Hello, this is Michael James King coming to you from beautiful round town, USA. A mother was preparing pancakes for her son, Kevin 5, and Ryan 3. The boys began to argue who would get the first pancake. Their mother saw an opportunity for a moral lesson. If Jesus were sitting here, he would say, Let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. Kevin turned to his younger brother and said, Ryan, you be Jesus today. Oh my gosh. This is yet another edition of God's Love Club, the podcast that talks about God's divine love and what it means for you today. We, as always, are giving a shout out to spirit-led believers everywhere and greeting them with a holy kiss. We confess Jesus Christ as our risen Lord and Savior, thanking him for his sacrifice on Calvary, and we look forward to his soon appearing in the clouds. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you with our listeners and we ask your anointing on what we say today and that you give us spiritual ears to hear what your spirit is saying to this generation. Open our hearts and minds to your revelation and give us an understanding heart that we may receive your instruction in Jesus' name. Today, as always, my co-host with the spirit-led most is the lovely Christy Smith, the darling of Roundtown, USA. Christy is happy and well-adjusted in beautiful downtown Roundtown, where she believes without limits, prays for her family and friends unceasingly, and treats everyone with loving-kindness. The title of this podcast today is Spiritual Culture Shock. Hi, Christy. How are you today? I'm doing well today. How are you doing? I'm doing very good. It is one of the very few days where it's overcast in round town. I know. That's but we're strange. grateful to God because it does lower the temperature. It does. We've had a lot of rain and we really needed it. So yeah. we're grateful. So thank you, Father, for your bountiful, plentiful giving to Round Town USA. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about spiritual culture shock. And the premise here is that we are citizens of a different place. And as citizens of a different place, we speak in a different language, which is tongues. We have a different way of looking at morality because we come from the new heavens and new earth. Mm. And what I want to get across today is that we are literally strangers in a strange land because we have a foretaste or an earnest, a down payment of our inheritance, which is God, which floods the heavens and earth in the new creation. In the world to come. And because we have a foretaste of that world to come, we feel out of place here in this present day walkabout earth. So what I'm saying is when people come into the move of tabernacles, there's kind of a spiritual culture shock that takes place because people don't act according to the regular conventions of this earth. We act according to the regular conventions of another creation, a creation where Everyone is righteous, a creation where everybody loves perfectly, a creation where there is no sickness, a creation where if you need to walk on water, you simply do. This is what Jesus was demonstrating when he was here 2,000 years ago. He was a citizen, Mm. the first citizen Mm. of that new world. And when he came here, he didn't give up his citizenship. He didn't stop being part of the world to come when he manifested here on the earth. He lived here like he lives over in the world to come. That's why he could walk on water. That's why he could pray for the sick and they would heal. 
That's why he could know things beforehand that he could not know with a natural mind. Because he was operating as if he was living in the new heavens and new earth, as an example for all of us. And that's where the rub came, because when he would act like that, the people around him wouldn't understand what he was doing because mm-hmm. he wasn't acting according to a natural man's pattern. He was acting according to a spiritual man's pattern from a different place. You know, Abraham was a stranger in a strange land, which foreshadowed what Jesus would be. Abraham came and he said, I don't really fit. Why? Because he was spirit-led man in the midst of a natural-minded generation. And so while he was busy walking around Canaan's land and going down to Egypt, he was acting as a spirit-led representation of God's kingdom. He was looking for God's kingdom, in fact. He had had a vision of that city built for a square, of the eternal throne of God placed in the temple in that city. And he wanted to find that. That's what he thought he was looking for. He just didn't have a big enough perspective of what was going on. Mm-hmm. The truth was, every time that he walked another step, he was placing his foot on what used to be Eden. And by the time he was done with his life, he had put his foot on every place that used to be considered Eden in the original world before the flood. Mm-hmm. And God said, every place you put the sole of your foot, I'm going to give to you. So what was God giving to him? He was giving him Mm, Eden. Why? Because he was a man of faith that believed God simply because he said it. Even to the point of almost sacrificing his chosen son, Isaac. And so God said, by one man's unbelief, they lost Eden. By another man's belief, he will receive Eden. Not only for himself, but for his generations. Mm Mm-hmm. And his children will be like the sand of the sea. And his children will be like the stars of heaven for their number. Why? Well, because God wants more people like Abraham that have faith. So he was a stranger in a strange land. Other people around had culture shock because he wasn't doing things according to the natural mind. He was doing things because God led Mm -hmm. him to do it. Mm -hmm. And because of his faith, he gained great favor with God until his seed became the seed that multiplied into the nation of Israel. Now, likewise, in our generation, you are called to be a chosen vessel. You are called to be a stranger in a strange land. You act differently. You act according to the powers of the world to come and not to the reason of this present creation. You are led by the Spirit, just like Abraham was led by the Spirit. You are a man chosen of God. You're a woman chosen of God to serve a purpose that is so big that even though, like him, you're walking on this earth and you're doing these things, you have really no idea, really, what God's getting at. Abraham had no idea that he was giving him back Eden. We have no idea what God is doing with us, but we do it by faith, Mm -hmm. even not understanding. And a lot of people, when they come into tabernacles they have a spiritual culture shock because it's so different than what a natural mind would dictate should happen our method of living is simply to hear god and do what he says in any given moment on any given day we hardly know what we're going to do tomorrow because sufficient is the evil of this day 
God is dealing with this day, and all we have to do is have a successful 24 hours Mm -hmm. in Jesus, doing what he wants us to do. And that's all that we have to focus on. Tomorrow will take care of itself. God clothes the flowers of the field in glory. The birds are fed daily. We are more important than those. What we need to do is what Jesus wants us to do today and focus on that. That is our culture. That is what we do because we come from a different place. That's right. And it's an amazing difference between the two, the culture that we live in with the natural earth and the culture of the new heavens and the new earth. I like what you said about Jesus operating in this earth as a citizen of the new heavens and the new earth. The thing about Jesus that we need to remember is that, yes, he was the son of God, but when he walked on the earth, he walked only using the abilities that we have to connect to God. We say, oh, Jesus did that because he was God. Jesus did that because he was perfect. But Jesus didn't call on his godly powers in any way that we can't call on them as humans. He lived as a human, totally dependent on the Father, totally led by the Spirit, totally in obedience to what God wanted to do. And it's exactly how we're supposed to live and how we can live. We can do the things that Jesus did. He even said that. He even said that greater things than these we will be able to do because he goes to the Father and sends the Spirit. His Spirit, the very Spirit of Jesus, lives in us and enables us to do these things by faith. And that's what creates that new culture. Anybody that's traveled to a foreign land, you know what it's like to step off a plane or walk out of an airport and the air smells different and the people talk different and they yeah. look different and they maybe they drive on the wrong side of the road, in your opinion, and everything is different. And then you have culture shock. You don't know, well, how do I handle this? So what am I supposed to order at a restaurant? And everything is very different. And it's very, very difficult. People that have lived in one country and then moved to another country, it's very difficult to adjust to the differences in lifestyle unless the cultures are similar because culture shock is a very real thing. You're trained You just automatically know how you're supposed to live in a particular culture. And when you switch cultures, it's a complete relearning. And that's why they call it culture shock. It's like your body doesn't know what to do. Your brain doesn't know what to do. That's what happens when we step into the fullness of what God has for us. Because we are receiving now an earnest down payment of our inheritance in the new heavens and the new earth. God is so anxious to fulfill the scripture that says, now the dwelling place of God is with man. That he is sending his spirit and his powerful love on the earth right now to connect people to him in a similar way that we will be connected to him in the new heavens and new earth. And he's moving in this move of love on individuals. He's moving on their hearts and people are knowing inside of them, God wants me to do this. And a lot of the things that God is asking them to do seem backwards. They get a lot of resistance from people around them. It seems like that what they've been taught goes against what God is saying. And sometimes that's very true. And that's because of the culture shock. We have all grown up in this earthly culture. And this earthly culture has been laid on the foundation of sin and separation from God. So everything that we do as a citizen of this earth is based on the foundation of sin and separation from God. When we receive the inheritance of the new culture, the culture that we're intended to have, that we were created to live in, the culture of the new earth, it tends to go against this foundation. That's where the culture shock comes in. God said to do this. Well, that doesn't make any sense because I've been taught my entire life that this is the way I need to do things. And living moment by moment to be led by his spirit is the only way to adopt this new culture. 
You can't receive a piece of paper that says, here's what you're going to do this year, the next year you do this, the next year you do this, and and this is how you're going to adapt to the new culture. When a person comes to a new country and they start living in a new culture, instead of being overwhelmed by the big picture, the best thing for them to do is just to take it a day at a time, a moment at a time. Okay, this is how we do breakfast. This is how we do lunch. This is how we do dinner. This is how we speak. This is how we greet one another. This is how we dress. All of that stuff you learn moment by moment. That's how we can adapt to the new culture. If we can't do it moment by moment, it's going to be completely overwhelming. So we have to really listen to the Spirit of God, and we have to engage with Him continually and know what He is speaking to us continually and act moment by moment exactly what He wants us to do. Exactly. There's some things that are similar, and there's some things that are very different. I know I was in Doha one day at the airport, and I was wanting to get a McDonald's hamburger. But Doha is part of the United Arab Emirates. So when I went into McDonald's, everybody was dressed in the white Arab chic robes. And so McDonald's hamburger tasted like a McDonald's hamburger, but nobody in McDonald's <laughs> looked like people I'd seen in McDonald's before. <laughs> right. So I was sitting there eating my Big Mac, and they gave me this little cup of sauce. And I thought, okay, I'll try this sauce. I thought it was like barbecue sauce or something like that. <laughs> And I poured it on my hamburger, and I ate it, and I just about gagged. Oh. It was hot. (laughs) Yuck. And I assumed that that would just be some sweet sauce. Mm. It wasn't hot. Evidently, they liked it there, but it was totally foreign to me, and I couldn't stomach it. Likewise, when you come into the Tabernacle Blessing, it is a further revelation of what God did through salvation. In salvation, God opened up the way to have fellowship again with him through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. His blood paid the price that we all owed God. So after we give our hearts to Jesus and we say the sinner's prayer, if they lead us that way, we now have an opening to have fellowship with God. For that's the first step. Second step is to be filled with his Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues. That's when his spirit comes and indwells you now. You're not talking to somebody outside you anymore. You have the Spirit filling you and indwelling you now, and you can talk to God right inside you. He's always with you from there. And the sign is that you yield the most unruly member of your body to him, your tongue. Your tongue has the power of life and death in it. And so you give that over to God, you yield it to him, and he speaks through you a language that you don't know. Sometimes it's a language that somebody else's know, Mm-hmm. But that's the second step. And you're coming closer to God. You're coming nearer to where he is by him dwelling in you. And then when you go to the third step, which is the tabernacle blessing, God gets the rest of you. You gave your tongue at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now when you receive the fullness of God's love, he gets your hands, your eyes, your ears, your feet, your arms to hug. And what does God do with all that? Well, he loves people. And he loves people not how some doctrine figured out by a committee 200 years ago says to love. He loves how he wants to love and how the people need to be loved. And that does not look acceptable in lots of cultures around the world. Why? Because we're loving as people love in the new heavens Mm -hmm. and new earth. In the world to come, people hug and kiss and they sit by each other closely, they look into each other's eyes intensely, 
they are completely comfortable with each other because there's nothing on their mind but what God wants to do. And God's coming through each of them. And whatever needs to be done, God accomplishes with his people. We are bought with a price. We are not our own. Mm -hmm. Nothing we have is ours. Everything we are is God's. And if he wants to hug somebody, if he wants to kiss somebody, if he wants to go someplace and minister that we don't think is acceptable, that is God's prerogative. And we do it not because we are traditional Christians. We do it because we are new heavens and new earth saints. That's right. And that's a beautiful thing if we can yield to it. But it's also culture shock. One of the things that God does when we allow ourselves to receive this and move into this new culture is a lot of times there's a realignment of what we're doing in our lives. Because a lot of us have chosen the path that we're on based on natural-minded thinking and based on the foundation of this world that was built on sin and separation from God. So we make our own decisions based on our own natural-minded thinking, and then we ask God to bless what we do. And a lot of us do the best that we feel like we can do. You know, we read the Bible, we get an idea in our minds of what God wants for us, and then we make decisions based on that idea. So we marry the person who seems to fit with the church culture that we're in. We take the job that seems to be respectable. We tithe as we're instructed to tithe. We go to church three times a week. We volunteer at the local food bank. We do all these good things thinking that we're doing exactly what God wants us to do and ask God to bless us. And we assume he's going to bless us because we're doing good things based on what we know. But when we really yield ourselves to God completely and tell him, I just want you, I want you to do through me everything that you want to do, I want to be completely yours, I want you to have your way in my life, if you really mean that with your heart, get ready because God may just completely upturn your life. What if he told you when you come to that point You made this decision about your career based on your natural-minded thinking, but really what I want you to do is be a missionary to China. So sell everything you have, go to China, and do what I'm asking you to do. What if he told you you married to the wrong person? I have this woman over here who is aching for her divine mate, and you're the one that I have for her. You need to leave the woman that you are with and go with the one that I put you with because I have something I've called the two of you to do together. It's a difficult thing. It can be very difficult. Now, some of us are on a path that is close enough to what God's doing, he may not completely upturn your life. But the further we stray from God's intention for our life, when we make that decision to be fully his, the further we have to come back to where we were. And sometimes it feels like chaos because everything in your life gets upturned and you go a different direction. But the blessing in that is so much better than the blessing of thinking that you're doing enough to make God happy. Because what this new culture is about is not about doing. This culture is about being. This culture is about being one with God, letting his spirit live in you and through you, which brings the fullness of life to you. When Paul talks about dying to ourselves, we die so that Christ can live in us. And when Christ lives in us and his spirit fills us and we are completely yielded everything in our lives to him, the fullness of our life really, really comes to the surface. I think it affects us spiritually, emotionally, and physically, where we have so much life in us because we're intended to have his life in us. And when he starts working through us, it's not like we have a mind full of thoughts and plans and ideas. We move by the spirit that is in us. And when God moves out of our belly and speaks to us and says, okay, go left, 
then we go left because the Spirit of God is telling us to go left. We don't have to sit down and judge everything. Well, why am I going left? What's going to happen when I go left? How long am I going to be going left? What am I going to run into? And when do I get to turn around and come back? We just go. We just do. We just are what God wants us to be. God is aching to have physical representation of himself on this earth because that's how he set it up. Jesus was very excited to go to heaven so he could send a spirit. So there could be multiple manifestations of God in the way that there was a huge manifestation of God in Jesus, that there would be bits and pieces of that all over the world that could come together as a body and spread his love all over the world. That's what we're called to do. And that's what you're called to do. The person that is listening to me right now, you're called to be a manifestation in Jesus. When you watch rapture movies, the rapture happens and there's a bunch of clothes left places, <laughs> which just demonstrates you're not going to take anything with you. Mm-hmm. And All that you're building on this world right now, and for whatever reason you're building it, you're not taking it with you. The only thing that's going to heaven is you and your body when it catches up with you. And even that has to be perfected in order to go into new heavens and new earth. You know, God is perfecting us inwardly because he doesn't want to build a new heavens and new earth that is perfect and then put something that's imperfect in it because that will taint it. So we have to be perfected. That's where that idea comes in the Bible. A perfect bride without spot and wrinkle goes into a perfect world. And it's a perfection now of our inward man. You know, everything in the New Testament church age is an inward work because we're not natural Israel. We're a spiritual nation led by God's Spirit. The whole church was based upon the infilling of the Holy Spirit in the second chapter of Acts. And that is what God chose to do ahead of time of his actual chosen people because they failed in unbelief. They were set aside, cut off from the natural branch, and we were grafted back in. And so now God is doing inward work in the Gentiles in you so that you can come to perfection in him and be worthy to go to be where he is in the sky to meet him and to be like him this is what you're being called to do and as you are changing into the image and likeness of jesus christ people around you are having culture shock because you don't act like you're supposed to act anymore You're kind of acting more and more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the natural man never understood what he was doing. He was always doing something, but it was being led by his father as his father wanted. And because the other people were so far from where God was, they couldn't understand what a son of God did. Exactly, yeah. You're letting your disciples roll corn and eat it on the Sabbath. (laughs) Hey guys, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. If Mm -hmm. I want to do it, I do it. Yeah. And he's Lord of everything. All power in heaven and earth has been given unto the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And for those who are trapped by others in marriages that are crap, here's one for you. Jesus is the Lord of marriage. And if he tells you to get out of an earthly contract that is damning your soul, it's his business. He's Lord of all. And he's actually Lord of your marriage. You know, people are put in bondage by contractual obligations they sign to the church and to the state. But the culture shock is that Jesus doesn't honor earthly contracts. 
He only wants you to do what he wants yes, you to do. exactly. Because so many people are wasting their lives in unprofitable situations that don't allow them to do what God wants them to do. They've got married in a church or they just got married civilly. And they believe that they are in an unalterable contract that cannot be changed. And no matter how miserable they are, they'll stay there and be unprofitable to God because they signed on the dotted line. But just like Jesus said, look it, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I made the Sabbath. I can do what I want to on the Sabbath. Jesus is the Lord of marriage. In fact, if you can receive it, he never even made marriage. Exactly. In the beginning, it was not so. In the beginning, it was simply God put you with a divine mate of his choosing. And you knew it in your spirit mm -hmm. that she was your intended. And she knew the same thing. This whole marriage thing is a man-made construct that doesn't even get carried over to the new heavens and new no, earth. No, it doesn't. That's what Jesus said. It's not going to be marriage the way that we know it in heaven. Exactly, it won't. And what's ending up happening in a lot of people's lives is that they mistakenly believe that they cannot break this contract and they're sacrificing their lives to the God of marriage. Mm -hmm. And the God of marriage is not Jesus. Right. The culture shock when you come in the tabernacle experience is that you realize that God is sovereign and mm -hmm. God can do what he wants to. And so when it comes to you being in a marriage that was never his intent, God just says, well, I don't even see that. I never authored it in the first place. Right. You went and signed a contract and didn't even really do what I wanted you to do. And so why should I have anything to do with it? That's why I haven't been blessing it the last 15 years. Because I didn't do it. Now, if you had married the person I wanted you to marry, then I would bless that. Then if you had difficulty, I would come in the midst and I would sort things out. Right. But because you went and did something on your own volition that I didn't ask you to do. In fact, I probably warned you not to do. I don't feel any obligation to go in there and fix it. And if you want to come back into alignment with my will, you're going to drop what you did and get with who I designated. That's my will. Exactly. And I think that one of the biggest culture shocks that we're going to see as this tabernacle movement sweeps the earth is divine divorce. We call it divine divorce because it's not just divorce. You making a natural-minded decision that you don't want to be with your husband or wife anymore is not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is when the Spirit of God moves on you and you yeah. know you've made a mistake, you've either married the wrong person or the person that you're married is no longer following God and you want to follow God. Whatever the Spirit moves on your heart when you know that it's God that is moving you out of the marriage. And those of you who are listening and are sensitive to the Spirit can tell. Divine divorce is going to be one of the hugest culture shocks that I think we see with the tabernacle blessing. The way that people relate to each other, exactly, yeah. the connections between people that don't make sense to the natural mind, that offend people's sensibilities, just like Jesus sitting and talking to the woman at the well alone. That offended people's sensibilities. You don't talk to a Samaritan, you don't talk to a woman, you don't talk to her alone, and you don't talk to her about her sex life. All those things were completely taboo, and Jesus did that exact thing because that's what the Father wanted to do. We're going to see a lot of things like that. 
that, where Jesus walked into the house of the tax collector and had dinner, and his disciples couldn't even walk in the door because they were told that they can't even set foot in that. We're going to see a lot of things like that, where the Spirit of God is going, and the people that are sensitive to his Spirit will go with him into those places, into those situations, into those relationships, and relate the way that God wants them to relate. Instead of putting labels and ideas on, what does this relationship mean? What kind of relationship is this? We just relate the way that God tells us to relate to someone else. And that's going to be a huge culture shock because one of the strongholds that the enemy has on the church right now is restricting love, restricting relationship. The stronghold that the enemy has is basically not allowing the Spirit of God to move the way he wants to move in his body. And you know what God's doing? God's doing it anyway. If he's moving on the people in the church and they're resisting his move, he's not hindered. He will go and talk to his people and meet with his people that will yield to him. And when he finds someone who says, I will do whatever you say, God, I am completely yours. And he says, wonderful. I want to love you and I want to love through you. And he moves on those people and they do what he wants them to do. They follow where he wants them to go. And beautiful things happen. One of the things that we deal with with this culture shock is what the Spirit of God is moving in us and our fleshly nature or our ego, our pride. Most of us have very strong egos, a lot of pride, and we want to make sure that we look good, we want to make sure that we're not offended, we want to make sure that we're not mistreated. So if God tells us to do something and the cost is a relationship with someone or the cost is our reputation, a lot of us won't do what God wants us to do. Well, this is gonna make me look bad, this is gonna ruin my reputation. This is going to ruin my credit. This is going to ruin my relationship with my grandparents. Whatever it is, and we're not willing to do it. When God tells us, don't return an evil word with an evil word. Someone is coming at you and attacking you and saying mean things about you, and God is saying, just sit and listen quietly and respond with love. Our egos, our fleshly nature fights that tooth and nail. No way. I'm not going to let them say those things about me. I'm not going to let them treat me like that. I'm going to say what I need to say. Not that God ever wants you to stay in a situation where you're continually mistreated, but if it's a a situation where a person is hurt and they're responding in anger, God may want you to respond in love, which will soften them, and that can be an opportunity for him to heal the hurt. As much as we let go of our own natural-minded thinking of how life should be, we also have to let go of our natural-minded thinking about us, what we deserve, what we need, what we're supposed to do, and listen to what God wants, because What we don't understand until we experience it is the best way to be blessed, the best life you can have is completely yielded to God. That is going to bring you the happiness, the joy, the peace, the satisfaction that you're searching for. We all understand that when a bride goes and marries, she's going to leave her family and be part of her bridegroom's new family. And a lot of times that means leaving the culture you were born in and going to a completely different culture. And you conform to his culture because he's your man. What's happening on a grander scale is that the bride of Christ is leaving the culture of this world and is going to be with Jesus and the culture of heaven. And the people that are stuck back here in the culture of the earth don't understand that. You know, you don't act like you used to act. You don't do the things you used to do. You don't have the same attitudes towards things you used to have. And we don't understand, and we want you to conform to us again. We want you to be like us. But you can't be because you're going to be with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And you need to be like him. And he didn't conform to the world. No, The world didn't understand him either. 
And so they don't understand you. And therein comes the rub. And with the tabernacle blessing, that is just amped up a hundredfold. You thought it was bad when you got saved. You thought it was worse when you got spirit-filled. When you start acting like you're from the new heavens and new earth, you're going to see sparks fly. (laughs) The natural man does not understand nor savor the things of God's spirit. And you're going to act as you would if you were living in a new heavens and a new earth while you're here. And people aren't going to understand you. And that's okay. You've heard the call of God, and so you've went with the Good Shepherd. And even if they don't understand, you have to go. You know, people didn't understand when Levi just left the tax gathering table and just took off with Jesus. Levi, what are you doing? (laughs) I mean, what am I supposed to do with all this money? Later, I'm going with Jesus. I remember my parents, they had my education all mapped out for me, you know, and they were going to support it because they approved of it. And then in the middle of engineering college, I got the call to go to Bible college. And that went over like a lead balloon. (laughs) Yeah. I had dashed all their dreams. I had wasted all their money. Yet God was very definite that he wanted me to learn his word. And I did that even though it was a culture shock Mm -hmm. to my parents. And to this day, they don't understand why I did that. And they don't approve. And if you're seeking the approval of others, you'll not get the approval of them when you follow God. I mean, that's just the way of it. Mm -hmm. So the culture shock is not so much you having culture shock, but you can. It's the culture shock that other people have because of the things you do in the spirit. They just don't understand why you love when you should hate. They don't understand why you think abortion is wrong. Mm -hmm. You say, well, abortion is murder. (gasps) That's so harsh. How can you say that? Because it is. Because I'm from a place that that would never, ever been done. I'm from a place that values life. Life, yes, And that every child is precious. Yeah. I don't care about color. Because I'm from a place where nobody cares about color. They care about your heart. They care about your attitude towards God, how you walk in the spirit, you know, the words that you say out of the abundance of your heart, which is filled with God. I don't care what color you are. Mm -hmm. I care what you do in Christ. If you're my brother in Christ, it doesn't matter the shade of your skin. What matters to me is be at my father's feet and to hear his words as he says them. That's my thing. And if you are shocked by that, then so be it. What I'd like to do is I'd like to tell you more about it. And I'd like to tell you how amazingly beautiful it is to know Jesus in a personal way and to have him talk to you as a friend talks to you every day. That's what I'd like to share with you. But if I don't fit with your cultures, because I'm not here anymore. Yeah, exactly. I'm living in a new heaven and new earth paradigm. I'm loving as people love in a place where there is no sin, where there is no cause for hurt, where there is no cause for taking advantage of anybody because there's so much love, there's so much Mm -hmm. abundance. Everybody has more than they could possibly ever need. And so I just love freely as God loves through me. And I live in a paradigm that is completely different than the sinful world that we now have our feet on. This is what culture shock in the tabernacle experience means it's a revelation 
It will be a shock to those who come into the tabernacle experience, but there'll be people there to hold you up when you want to faint because you're not the only one that this is happening Mm -hmm. to. And I tell you, it's better than you can imagine. It's the best thing that you've ever experienced. God on tap is what this is. Yeah. As much as you can drink, as much as you can absorb, Mm. as much as you can handle, God wants to give you. And he's going to give it to you through a connection or through a group of connections. It's going to come through another human being. And it's amazing. I lack the words and the ability to say it. Is it a shock? Yeah. But it's a really good shock. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, because the difference between the world culture and the spiritual culture is doing versus being. Our world is built in large part on the external appearance, and the church is very much built on the external appearance. It doesn't really matter what you think in your mind, what you're doing in private, what you're thinking in your heart, as long as what you present to the church is a picture of purity and holiness, and you say the right words, you know the Christianese to speak. Jesus was very, very angry with the Pharisees who lived like that, who pretended like they were something holy and pious, but inside they were, what he said, a tomb full of dead men's bones. He intends for people to be purified from the inside out. And what he wants to do is change our being to express who we are and who he is through who we become. The church places a huge emphasis on how things look, and they base it on one scripture in Thessalonians that is translated only in the King James as, avoid the very appearance of evil. Every other translation translates that verse as, abstain or avoid every kind of evil. There's a huge difference between the very appearance of evil and every kind of evil, because truthfully, God doesn't care about the appearance. God doesn't look on the appearance. That's what he said when he was talking to Samuel about choosing the next king. I'm not looking on the outward appearance like man does. I look at the heart. God doesn't really care if we're alone with a member of the opposite sex for two hours if what we do in that setting is not evil. If all we do is talk and pray and share love in a very pure, holy way and don't sin, God doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about the appearance of evil. He doesn't care what it looks like. He cares about our hearts. And what we need to do is abstain from evil. The only way we can abstain from evil is to have the Holy Spirit live inside of us. Outward restrictions on our actions might prevent us from sinning outwardly, but it's not going to affect the sin in our hearts. The only way that we can be really turned away from sin increasingly is to have the Spirit of God in us, moving through us, living in us, then we don't want to sin. We have no desire to sin. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what situation we're in. We can walk into a bar and sit down and talk with a bunch of people and and not get drunk and not participate in sin. We can be around people that are carousing and swearing and doing all these horrible things and not participate, but be there as a representation of God. So it's not the appearance. It's what we are doing in our hearts that yeah, God exactly. wants to change. And that's a culture shock too, because what we do and what we say and how we look, how we dress, how often we go to church or whether or not we go to church is something that is a culture shock when we come into the tabernacle blessing. So it's about being, it's about becoming what we are destined to be. In the tabernacle movement, there's going to be a lot of expression of physical love and it will be led by the spirit. And it will be innocent. It will mm-hmm. be acceptable to God. But it will be absolutely culture shock to everybody else yeah. around you. 
And this is amazing to me because so many people want to be loved. And they want to be loved by God. They just can't get it through their head that God wants to love them through another person. But when you think about it, that's how God so loved the world. He sent his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him should not see death but have everlasting life. When God needed to save the world, he sent his son. Yeah, connect to God through a person. When God needs to love you, what is he going to do? He's going to send a person filled with the spirit that knows by his revelation how you need to be loved and when it's time for you to love them back into the degree that god leads you will be anointed to love them and it will be without shame there'll be an innocent joy about it there'll be a delight not only to you or to the other person but to god above this is coming very soon and it is already here if you know what to look for and you're going to experience it and the acceptance or the rejection of God's divine love in this generation will in large part determine whether you will go in the bride of Christ or you'll wander after the beast and become, the anti become part of the Antichrist kingdom. The church, by and large, will reject divine love. And in rejecting divine love, they will reject Christ in us. Their rejection of God's love will cause them to go into the arms of the false love of the Antichrist. And this is something that people don't generally understand. You know, a third of the stars of heaven will fall. Why? Not because of the teeth, because of the tail. Yeah. It's what you don't see coming. That's really good. Yeah. It's going to be a surprise to those who only look with natural mm -hmm. eyes. But I'm telling you beforehand through the Spirit that the move of divine love is coming. And if you embrace it and trust God with everything you have, you will become his bride. And there will be no devil on earth or in heaven that can take you out of his hand because God is stronger. But if you reject his divine love, then you will run away from the light. And the only place you can go is darkness. And it won't be a darkness where you can't see with your natural eyes, it'll be a darkness of your heart because you've rejected God's truth of this generation. And every time that somebody rejects the present truth of God, they always go towards the darkness and they persecute the very God they mm -hmm. profess to believe in. That's right. It's exactly what happened with the Pharisees when Jesus came to earth. They were saying, bless God, we've rid the world of this this heretic who's claiming to be God, who's claiming yeah, to be exactly. the Messiah, not realizing that they were killing the very thing that God sent to save them. Same old, same the old. Same thing, yeah. Even, there's an Old Testament prophecy that talks about there's coming a time at the end of days when the hearing of God's word will be very, very rare. Precious. Yeah. And it's not because God is not speaking. It's not saying God is not speaking. God's speaking is going to be rare. It's the hearing of God's word that's rare because people will harden their hearts and harden their ears to what God is really saying because it doesn't fit with the way that they think God should be, which is exactly the trap that the Pharisees fell into. They became so focused on the religion until it all became about the rules and about the outward appearance. Then when Jesus came and looked different, they had culture shock to the point where they wouldn't even believe that it was God. And that's what's going to happen in the end days. God is going to be speaking, but the people that actually hear him, it's going to be rare. Our hearts is that you be built up in the most holy faith 
through a personal experience with Jesus Christ. You need to start hearing his voice for yourself. Yes, you do. You cannot rely on other people to hear God for you and then to translate it into your life. You need personal experience. You can't think that other people are going to be able to do it for you. It is a personal experience with God, you know. What I've said is that the tabernacle experience is an experience. It's not a doctrine. You got to have it for yourself. Mm -hmm. You can't sponge off somebody else's experience. Mm -hmm. You can look at somebody else and kind of see what they do and you can try that. But at the end, it's going to be something that you and Jesus figure out together. You know, when you go in and you're a new bride to bridegroom, you figure it out. You never been together before. But you really don't want somebody in there trying to tell you how to do it when you're trying to make love. You just figure it out. And the same thing about your relationship as a bride of Christ. You're going to figure it out. Jesus is the most patient lover in the entire universe. Mm -hmm. He's got compassion. He knows you through and through. He is not in a hurry. He wants to please you as much as you want to please him. You are going to figure it out. But you got to figure it out together. Nobody else can be in that bridal chamber with you. Exactly. It's just you and him. Yeah. It's an intimate relationship between you and him. And nobody else can live that for you or tell you how to do it because we're all unique individuals and all of our experiences with him are going to be just as satisfying and have a lot of similarities. But because of our personality being different than everybody else's, we're going to have different manifestations sometimes, different experiences with him. But it's all going to lead to his ultimate goal, which is to demonstrate his love to the earth, to bring as many as possible into this foretaste of the new heavens and new earth so that as many as possible can go with us into the new heavens and new earth. When you come into the tabernacle blessing, it is a culture shock, and it's a culture shock for those around you. But I guarantee you there isn't a person on the face of the earth that doesn't want to experience this. Yeah. This is home. This is what we were created and meant to be. This is the union that God wanted in the garden that was mm-hmm. broken through sin, now is restored through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Right. God is just a lot better than you ever imagined he could be. I mean, I am continually amazed at how wonderful Jesus is. It just gets better and better and better. And yes, there's problems in this world and there's things that we have to deal with. But the relationship, the thing that really matters, I mean, that just gets better and better and better until you get closer and closer. And Jesus is all you want to do. I think that we are coming in this generation to a point where the Bride of Christ is being formed. And the Bride of Christ is the divine mate of God incarnate. We are communicated with Jesus and we are telling him how beautiful it is and how handsome he is and how he can do all these good things and we like the way he looks and treats us and we're just gushing over him, you know. Mm -hmm. And he's thinking about us. He's thinking about, okay, I know I got to finish creating the new heavens and new earth but no i I just got to find some way to be with my bride Mm -hmm. and that's what the rapture is he just doesn't want to be away from us anymore and we don't want to be away from him that divine mate of god which is the bride of christ is composed to a large extent of divine mates manifesting that to other divine mates this is the core of the bride of Christ. Now there are a lot of other people in the bride of Christ. You mm-hmm. know, not everybody can be or is called to be a divine mate because there's other things that are going on. But I think the core of it, 
the real earth-shaking, shattering core of the Bride of Christ, is composed of people that God purposely put together by His Holy Spirit. That's right. That's really a beautiful picture. And the idea of Jesus wanting to be with his bride and being eager to be with her, I think that's what is pulling the love of God onto the earth the way it is. That's what's pulling the foretaste of the new heavens and new earth towards us, is God getting anxious to reach for us. It's like knowing someone's coming before you see them walk in the door because you can kind of sense that they're on the way. That's what this is like. It's like the energy of that desire that Jesus has for his bride is coming to this earth, and he's starting it right now. He's manifesting it as an example through divine mates. He's allowing people to feel his love in ways they've never felt before. He's moving on people individually to be able to connect to him and be drawn to him, and we're starting to see him pulling us toward him. And you want to be a part of this, I'm telling you. You want to be a part and just... Allow yourself to be caught up in the flow of his love and do whatever he asks you to do. Exactly. Well, I think that's about all the time we have on this edition of God's Love Club. Every seven days, there's another one, and we thank you that you've stayed with us until the end of this particular podcast. We live in heady days. God is moving on the earth, and the people that are listening to this are feeling it. That's why they're searching out podcasts like this. Mm Mm-hmm. And you are God's chosen. The mere fact that you are here and that you're interested in this until the end of the podcast means that you have a desire to know Christ. And that is a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. And we just bless you and we encourage you to keep on doing what you're doing. Love God with all your heart. And don't worry about all the other things that people say or people do. You're going to be shocked when you actually come face to face with Christ because he's better than you thought. He's a lot more patient than you believe. And he knows you through and through. And it's a great thing. You're on the right track. I want to just bless you and encourage you Mm -hmm. today because you're a courageous person. It takes a lot to break with tradition and go for God when he asks you to do something that is not the part of your tradition in your church. And God will honor you for that. Those who honor God, he honors. So you have a great week. Mm -hmm. Be blessed. Let God's revelation rest upon you. Let his joy and his peace flood your heart and give you all the things that you need to do to be successful in these next seven days. And we'll see you again next time on God's Love Club. Bye-bye. Bye.